0: the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. have been waiting for the return of Christ for so long, you might be doubtful that it will ever happen. How can you avoid these doubts? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares tools from God's Word for developing confidence while you wait. From the series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, David shares his message, Stay Committed, after a word of introduction. And thank
1: you for joining us. Today, we turn our attention to James chapter 5 and our lesson today is called Stay Committed. How to live with confidence in a chaotic world? Well, you've got to stay committed to what you're committed to, and we're going to talk about it. You know, sometimes during the difficult seasons of life, God does His most profound work. If you embrace His work and ask God to teach you what He wants you to know— you are expressing patience, and there's no time for weak-hearted Christians who complain and grumble in today's world. The Word of God challenges you to develop an attitude of courage and firmness and confidence in the God you serve. Here's um, James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, which is the key verse for today's discussion that we'll get to in just a moment. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James 5, 7-8. through 8. Hang on, friends. That's what we're going to talk about in just a moment. Now, we're down to the last uh, few hours of uh, Turning Point Radio during the month of April. Let me say once more that my, my sincere hope is that you will— finish this month with either a copy of the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, or the assurance that one is on its way. And here's how you do that. If you haven't already done so, send a gift to Turning Point of any size, and in the process, ask for your copy of the book, Living with Confidence. And you will have just uh, ordered the entire series you've been listening to on the radio in print, and you'll be able to keep it. It's, It's footnoted. It's It's a major book that uh, was released by Thomas Nelson, and it's now been revised with a beautiful new cover. It will be a blessing to you and a great addition to your library, and it's easy to get. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point in these next few days and ask for the book, and it'll come to you. Well, what does it mean to stay committed? Let's find out. We'll turn in your Bibles to the fifth chapter of the book of James, James chapter 5 we are going to see again something from the Word of God to help us have confidence in the midst of chaos. We have examined passages in the New Testament where we have been told that the Lord Jesus was returning. And in the very passage that the Scripture tells us of his return to this earth the second time, in the very passage, often in the very verse, we are given a practical admonition to help us understand what we should be doing while we're waiting for this to happen. And now today we're going to talk about how we can stay confident in our faith. Here is the text in the book of James and the fifth chapter, verses 7 and 8. Follow along as I read from my Bible. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord... See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Webster's New World Dictionary defines patience as persevering in performing a task, or endurance without complaining. He also has this definition of patience bearing suffering and provocation with calmness and self-control and refraining in the midst of it from retaliating that's patience and So here in James chapter 5 and verse 7 James talks about the coming again of the Lord But he gives us this instruction notice verse 7 he says therefore be patient It is often when we are under stress and under pressure that we discover things about ourselves that we could never know in times of prosperity. During these days that we're experiencing in our culture, we're learning about ourselves, aren't we? We're learning about the things that are important and the things that are not. As we look around at the world today and see what is happening in the deprivation that is taking place in places where we have never known it like that before, we will discover that what God is doing in our lives is for our good. If we embrace it and ask God to teach us what he wants us to know, that's an expression of patience, to wait on the Lord to do what he determines to do. Now, the word patience is in our text today a number of times. I like to mark my Bible. I don't know if you do that or not. If, when I'm gone and somebody gets a hold of my Bible, they're gonna see all kinds of markings. They won't know half of what they're about. But I know what they're about and when I turn again to these passages and see the markings that I've made It recalls all the things that I learned the first time And here in the book of James and in the fifth chapter the word patience is found six times in just the first few verses In verse 7 it says be patient until the coming of the Lord again in that verse The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it verse 10 says the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. In verse 11, indeed we count them blessed who endure, another word for patience. And you have heard of the perseverance or the patience of Job. There in just four or five verses, six times the word patience shows up. And it was this quality of patience that so dominated the writings of the Apostle Paul, who we so greatly admire. Most of you, if you've been to a wedding, have probably heard, first corinthians 13 the chapter on love did you know that one of the characteristics of true love according to chapter 13 of first corinthians is patience if you've ever studied the fruit of the spirit in the book of galatians one of the evidences of a spirit-filled life is patience if you read colossians and philippians and thessalonians you will discover that wherever paul makes a list of virtues patience is always on the list Patience, endurance, long-suffering is a quality which is enjoined in the scripture and held in high regard And how many of us would say today? It is one of the most difficult things to learn Did you know the Bible says the only way you can learn patience is through tribulation? Tribulation works patience Don't ever pray for patience because if you do God will send you tribulation Did you know that? Because that's how you learn patience now, it was this quality of patience that James was telling his readers to embrace. He includes it in this letter after having described some of the difficulties that they were experiencing. The reason why James encourages patience in the lives of his readers is very clear as you study this book. The scattered Jews to whom he was writing this letter were being kicked around in the Mediterranean like a soccer ball. Life was very hard for them. And like many in today's chaotic world, these Christ followers were looking at their circumstances and they felt like the only way they could get any relief from this was if the Lord would come back. Have you ever been so desperate as a Christian that you said, Lord Jesus, just come back and get me out of this mess? I've discovered people doing that these days. Lord, just come back. People are talking about the Lord's return in a different way than they ever have as long as I've been a pastor. It's now looking like it's better than what we have going right down here. And so the people in the time of James were saying, Lord, the persecution and the suffering and the separation and the deprivation, Lord, there's only one answer to this. You said you were coming back. This would be a good time for it. James' counsel to his readers and by way of this book to us is to exercise patience as we experience life's trials and difficulties. You know, one of the great qualities of a person who goes through difficulty is the ability to endure, the ability to stand strong in the midst of it. That's what patience means. And James says to his readers, I know the pressure is on and things are tough, but let me encourage you to be patient. And then, along with the instruction about patience, he gives us an illustration. Look down at your Bible again. At the end of the verse, he says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now, to understand this illustration, it helps to know that both James and his brother Jude were farmers. That's what they did. That was their vocation. So when you read the book of James, don't be surprised that there's a lot of agricultural illustrations in the book. And here he uses an agricultural illustration. He talks about how farmers farmed in Palestine. This was long before any kind of irrigation which is present in Israel now. This was when they had to depend on what happened and the early and the latter rains. The early rains came in the fall and softened the ground so that the seed could be planted. And the latter rains came in April and May and allowed enough moisture to come to ripen the harvest. But the illustration is that the farmer couldn't do anything about it. He had to just wait for it to happen. He couldn't hasten it. He couldn't keep it from coming at a certain time. His patience was simply keep doing what he's doing, keep planting the seed, keep cultivating the ground, and depend upon the fact that ultimately it would rain. And as farmers waited for the rain for their crops, James says to the believers of his day and ours, we too have to develop patience as we await the ultimate conclusion of all that God has in mind for us. Now, of course, it's interesting to put all this in a time warp because the people of James' day really had nothing to complain about. It was only 30 years since they had heard that Jesus was coming back. It's now been over 1,900 years for us. And we keep hearing that he's coming back. But where is the evidence of his coming? Let me suggest something that will help us keep this in perspective and help us understand, first of all, that we may be looking at this from a perspective that is not logical Think for just a moment of how long it took for the first coming of Christ to arrive If you take your Bible and go all the way back to the first Part of the book in the third chapter of Genesis is the first mention of the coming of a Redeemer Genesis three fifteen. From that part of Genesis all the way over to Luke chapter 2 where we have the record of the birth of Jesus How long was that? Well, depending on who you read or who the scholar is, it was a long time. In fact, it was more than twice how long it has been since Jesus came until now. We're 1,900 years beyond the coming of Christ in Bethlehem. But it was more than twice that from Genesis when it was first mentioned to Luke. What about the people who were waiting for the first coming of Christ? all the prophets of the Old Testament, all the people who looked for the redemption and hoped that someday a Redeemer would come. And now here we are, 1,900 years from the promise that he would come back again. Did you know there's always been critics about this? In fact, even in the New Testament, there were obviously people who were critical of Christians who believed that Christ was coming back. St. Peter, in one of his letters, writes about it, in Second Peter chapter 3 notice what he said. He said knowing first that scoffers will come in the last days Walking according to their own lusts and saying where is the promise of his coming? For since the father's fell asleep all things are just like they were from the beginning of creation In other words Peter said in the end times, which is where we are right now People are going to come forward and say I don't believe in all that stuff about Jesus coming back after all spend 1900 years and nothing's happened It's surely not gonna happen now. Well, don't close your Bibles yet, because if you go on down to the eighth verse, Peter has a very profound thing to say about this. He says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know why the Lord delays His coming? Because He's waiting for just one more person to come to faith in Him and be spared from an eternity outside of Christ. But notice what Peter is telling us. He is telling us that the way we look at time does not equate with God at all. Did you know that God is not affected by time? That He lives outside of time? Did you know that God created time? That time is a creation of Almighty God. He's not affected by it at all. God doesn't live in the past or the future or the present. God lives in the eternal now. And for us to try to put God on our schedule is foolish. God doesn't have a clock and He doesn't have a calendar. God lives according to His own presence. Now, we have looked at the instruction to be patient And we have looked at the illustration, and I want to finish up with the implication of it for you and me. What does this mean? How can I do this? Well, notice in verse 8 of chapter 5, that James says, We're to be patient until the coming of the Lord, and we're to establish our hearts. Establish our hearts. Now, this is an interesting word, because the text literally says, Make your heart firm. Williams paraphrases it by saying you must put iron into your hearts. And the New English Bible calls upon us to be stout hearted. Listen to me, this is no time for weak hearted people. Isn't that true? This is no time for Christian wimps to be doing their faith. This is a time for us to be strong in our faith and have confidence. And James calls upon the readers of this book and us as well to take this matter in our own hands. It is our personal duty to develop an attitude of courage and firmness as we face the circumstances of this day. It is no time for complaining and grumbling. It's a time for standing up and being the people God created us to be. And James looks at this as some kind of a decisive act that we make ourselves to strengthen and make our inner life firm. The verb conveys the thought of strengthening and supporting something so that it will be unmovable. Instead of feeling agitated and shaken up by the experiences of oppression, we must develop an inner sense of strength. And friends, patience is not just blind resignation to whatever is happening. How many times I have heard in the last year this little phrase, well, it is what it is. That's one way to look at it. It is what it is. But during the shock and numbness of tragedy and difficulty and unexpected circumstances, we are not to adopt a fatalistic acceptance that whatever will be, will be that acceptance is made in defeat rather than in hope. The patience that God wants to build in your life and in mine must be more dynamic than just being resigned to the inevitable. The Bible points to a patience that is based on confidence in God. Listen to me. We are not to develop confidence in ourselves. That is futile. But our confidence must be in the God we serve. And that is the creative difference that believers bring into this situation in which we find ourselves today. We don't walk in there as arrogant, confident in our own strength people. We walk in as people who are humbled by the strength that God has infused into us by his almighty word and by his Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something about this God that we serve and this confidence that we can have. We have a relationship that can never be changed, for we are the children of the Most High God. We have a righteousness that can never be tarnished, because it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ Himself. We have a resource that can never be diminished, because that resource is the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. We have a peace that can never be destroyed, for it is the God of peace Himself. We have a joy that can never be surpassed. The scripture says this is the joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have a love that can never let us go. It is the unconditional love of God. We have an intercessor who never has his prayers unanswered. He is the Christ who is the mediator between God and man. We have a sovereign Lord who can never lose control for he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one in whom we have confidence. That is our asset. That is our inventory. That's what we bring to the table as Christ followers in this day. And that's why we can have patience and strength and endurance. I don't know where this is going God, but I know you do. So according to the text, The implication of patience is that we are to develop a confidence as we wait. And then finally, we're to develop courage. Did you know you can actually be courageous during these days? In this passage of Scripture, both in verse 7 and verse 8, the coming of the Lord is placed in the center of the picture, for the Lord's coming is at hand. According to James, we are to be patient and enduring and have courage because we know where this is all going Did you ever notice how many times in the New Testament We are told that we are supposed to wait for the coming of the Lord Titus two thirteen, looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ First Corinthians 1 7 waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ Philippians three twenty, eagerly waiting for the Savior First Thessalonians 1 10, waiting for his son from heaven over and over again. We're supposed to wait It is true that we are called to wait for Christ, but we are to wait for him knowing that he's already where we are going to be and It's the fact that we have that settled forever in heaven that gives us confidence as we walk today. I Already know how this thing turns out. I know how it turns out for me as you've heard me say I've read the last chapter We begin by centering our attention on Christ, setting our eyes on Christ. Did you know that the Bible we teach bleeds Christ? Everywhere you open it up, it ultimately takes you to the Savior, and that's our focus. We continued in our discussion about the importance of not only keeping our eyes on Christ, but reaching out our arms and compassion to other people that one of the greatest things you can do when you're in chaotic times is to forget about yourself for a few moments and reflect upon others. And then we have been committed to this book. Everything we've said through this whole period hasn't been some pop psychology. It hasn't been some idea that I thought up to give you a good, warm, fuzzy feeling while you're going through all this stuff. This has all come right from the scripture. Friends, I wouldn't know what to say to you in a time like this if I didn't have this book. My conviction is that my eyes are on the Savior. My arms are stretched out to the needy. My mind is focused on the word of God. And then how blessed we all are that not only our eyes on Christ and our arms reached out to those around us and our minds focused on the word of God, but our lives are connected to the church and our walk is consistent as we walk day by day fellowshipping with the Lord. Finally, we come to having our faith confident how do you have a confident faith it's really simple it's the basic things that the bible teaches that give you confidence knowing that you're walking in fellowship with him following his instruction and the world looks at us and marvels how do they handle this the way they do we have a resource that the world knows nothing about it's the empowering and infilling of the spirit of god within us who helps us live the impossible life in a supernatural way. And I just want to encourage you today that what we're trying to do is to follow these instructions the best we know how. You can do that in your own life. And the same confidence that we'll move through these days, not just somehow, but with our hands up high, you can have that confidence in your own life as well. It's just a simple matter of obedience, doing what comes next as God tells you in his word. And that's my prayer for all of us. I don't know what's going on in the world or where it's all going, but I've got my GPS firmly fixed on where I'm going, and Almighty God is going to take me there, and I have confidence in the journey. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Friends, these messages have been so encouraging to me as I've shared them, and the, the word of truth that has come seems like it's been so married to what's going on in our world. And um, God designed this truth for this time, for such a time as this. I hope you're being encouraged and strengthened as you listen every day. Now, we have just finished uh, the whole discussion of Stay Committed. We have one lesson left. There are two parts to it. Stay Convinced, Romans chapter 13, and then we'll be finished with this series. If you haven't already ordered your copy of the book that contains everything in this series. Let me urge you to do it. You have a couple of days left. When we hit Friday, April 30th, this offer goes away. We'll have some new information for the month of May. But friends, please get this book. You may not feel like you need it now. Maybe your life is in order and you're not feeling any chaos, but you can't get from the cradle to the grave without chaos, friends. It's just part of the package. And when those times come and you're overwhelmed, as many of us have been, it's wonderful to know where to turn. That's what this book is all about. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift and ask for the book on confidence. We'll send it to you right away, and we'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Please visit our website, where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
1: Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents, and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, We want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And There is still so much work to do. Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be?
0: If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca.